morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is where we will be um, this morning. And we are going to be talking about this idea of God's game plan. And uh, truly, in this letter, there's been a few transitions that have taken place. And this morning, we're going to talk about, um, does God does God have a specific plan for your life? Does he care? Does he have something for you? Is God the type of God where he will turn the clock on your life and step back and say, good luck? Is he the type of God who, on the opposite, does he care about every single detail? I mean, the, the shirt you wear, some of you, you're anxious, is it the right shirt? Did you go to the right restaurant? Did you talk to the right person? I remember when I was 18, I was trying to figure out God's will for my life. I was terrified I was going to miss it. Did I have the right conversation with someone? Am I supposed to guess? Am I supposed to cross my fingers and say, God, help me, good luck? And he just said, have at it. What type of God do we worship? Is God's will for you and I, is it a game plan or is it a blueprint? There are two types of ideas around this. Some of you, some of you, as I'm looking out right now, you are builders. You like putting things together. You like adding pieces. When you see things like a blueprint, you can go ahead and pull up the picture. You, you like this. <clears throat> this to you is like a love language. It gets your blood pumping. You like putting things together. Literally last Sunday, I was putting a bed frame together uh, in our house. And as I was putting it together, my wife said to me, hey, would you like me to help? And it's always that weird, awkward thing, like I'm the husband, I should know how to do stuff like this, but you know, I, I don't. And I said, no, I, I would like to try. So I had tried to put this thing together, and I'm jamming pieces in, and I got this thing I'm flipping through. I'm like, they sent the wrong manual, you know, and I'm putting things together. So one night we had slept, and it was like stooped down like this because I couldn't finish it, but we had to go to bed. But anyway, I am not someone who does well with blueprints. I don't like this kind of stuff. I see all those details, and I'm like... Uh, I better call Chad. He's got to come help me build this. I don't know what to do. But is God the type of God who gives us a blueprint for life or does he give us a game plan? You see, the opposite of a blueprint would just be a game plan. Hey, as life or as the way of a game comes your way, here's, some, here's four things that we're going to do as a team. Here's four or five things that we're going to say, hey, regardless, regardless of the outcome, here's what we're going to do. We don't know uh, what's going to take place exactly and when they're going to throw the ball here, when they're going to do this, but what we will do are these three or four or five things. You see, I believe, I believe that God's will or God's plan for you and for me is more of a game plan from our perspective. Maybe from God's perspective, it kind of looks like this. Honestly, I'm still uncertain about that, but I think, I think from our perspective, it's more of a game plan to say, okay, God, Here's what I would like to do with my life. I would like to honor you. I would like to hear from you. Do you care? And if you care, please, please tell me what you would like me to do. Some of you would ask the question, does God have one person that you can marry? Oh, we should talk about that. It's actually turned, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, does God have one person you can marry? Or does God have one specific job for your life. 
Does he have one thing? And if you don't do that one thing, it throws off his plan completely. Now what is God supposed to do? Michael went to the wrong place at the wrong time, and now everything is thrown off. You see, I don't think and I don't believe the Bible supports that God works that way. I think there are some things that you and I have to decide, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pursue after God, and as he opens and closes doors for me, I'm just going to walk through. And as we do that, and some of you older folks would say, hindsight, God had me where? Exactly where he wanted me to be. I married exactly who he wanted me to marry. But on the forefront, you were just kind of looking at a crystal ball, throwing the eight ball, saying, help me, good luck. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the first verse that we're going to look at is chapter 4, verse 1. God's game plan or game plan for you or for this church, number one, if you'd pull it up for me, is encouraging more than discouraging. He says, finally then, brothers, pause, just a rabbit trail. I love when the Bible says finally, and it's got like two more chapters. It's kind of like when the pastor's like, hey, as we close, and it's like 1130, and you're like, not a chance, right? Uh, He says, finally, and he's really not done. I just like that. Anyway, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk, and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. So what I love about this, some of you are naturally pessimistic, you're, you're negative, you like discouraging, convicting things, you always want to feel bad, you always want to get beat up. But the question I think is cool from this verse and from this passage is this, that he is encouraging them more than discouraging them. He's sitting there not to beat them up, but to build them up. A lot of times I got to remind people that the gospel, the gospel is good news. It is truly good news. And if you and I feel discouraged all the time, Ask yourself the question, why? Why do you feel discouraged? Because there are two types of forms of discouragement that you and I would get. There is conviction, right? There is from God. You maybe are living in a way, something you said, something you did, something comes up, and the Holy Spirit and God is just like nagging at you. You would just be unsettled. You are convicted. And then there's the other kind. There's the the guilt, You just feel bad because someone said something to you about something you did that has nothing to do about anything, about anything, about anything, but you are just naturally like, did I let everyone down? Why did I let them down? You naturally feel discouraged. Well, majority of the time, I believe God is trying to encourage more than discourage. The gospel is good news. And I've had to ask, and even through this series, If I feel discouraged, why is that? Is it because I'm doing something I should or shouldn't be doing? Or is it because God is trying to communicate something to me? It says in 2 Corinthians 7, 10, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. So if it is from God, it leads to a repentance or a changing of our mind without regret, that we would not look back and regret decisions and past mistakes, but it would lead to a salvation. If it is from the world or from our flesh, it just leaves you feeling shameful all the time. 
man, I said the wrong thing, I did the wrong thing, I made the wrong decision, to, I shouldn't have talked to that person. Some of you are always so anxious in conversations, you leave and you get in the, get in the car and you're saying, did I say the right thing, did I not say the right thing, I didn't say, did I talk to them, talk to them, and you're just anxious all the time. That is not from God, I believe. I believe a salvation that, that leads to repentance, it's without regret. I believe God's plan or God's game plan for you, it is encouraging more than discouraging. Uh, it says, do so more and more. He's kind of looking at them and he's saying, hey, keep on keeping on. You guys are doing great. You're, do you're doing great. Keep doing what you have been doing. Sometimes when you come to church, you're all, some of you are like waiting. You love the messages that like beat you up. You're like, man, I just got, you know, yelled at. I love that. Some of you would be the opposite where you're like, man, why are we talking about like the love stuff? Like I like when I feel good. I want to feel good. I believe there's a balance to this, which leads to the next point, that God's game plan for you is reminders more than new instructions. He says, for you yourselves, <clears throat> or for you know what instructions we gave you, you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God. Let me say something real quick. He is repeating himself. Parents, how many times do you have to repeat yourself to your kids? On how many occasions do you have to tell them the same thing? You are nauseous about repeating yourself. You do it all the time. You are praying. You are praying that God would send someone else on your behalf to communicate to them the same information so what? They will hear because they can't hear from you. And children, a lot of times we're listening to our parents. You're like, yeah, 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 I don't need that. I, I want to know something different. I don't want the same advice. He is giving them the same advice. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. <clears throat> Go back. We'll stay in verse, verse 5. Go back to 3. That you abstain from sexual immorality. Happy Valentine's Day. When I, when I saw this, I was like, Butch, did you see that? Like, is this strategic or what is this? He was like, I just fell on that day. Um, this is the will of God. Man, what a, what a dense topic. What a, what a conversation. We could do a whole series around the will of God. Is it specific? Is it general? Is it meticulous? Is it he sets the clock and goes back? And is, is, is it true, maybe you've heard, that God has a plan for your life? What is it? Does he? Does he truly? Or does he really not care? Does he not care and he just says, hey, I want you to do these few things and at the end of the run, I want you to enjoy life and it is what it is. Does he have a specific will and plan and purpose for your life? I believe he does. And he says here, your sanctification. That church word throws everyone off the map sanctification. What a weird word just to pick in the Bible. It truly means, it truly means that you would be more and more dedicated to God, that you would strive after Christ, that you would want to follow Christ. And he says that you abstain from sexual immorality. He picks the whole sex topic. And truly, when you render down sexual immorality, and what it means is this, that you would follow God's design in all areas of your sexual life that you would seek to honor him and pursue him and be obedient to him. Now, to answer this question, how? How are we to be more and more sanctified? There's really two things that we would say or that we would hopefully agree on. As a church, we would want to Velcro you or put you up against the word of God and the people of God. 
that you would say, hey, I want to hear the teaching of the Bible. I want to be around Christians. But you and I are people who truly don't grow until it's a need to know or a need to grow basis. Example, if it's a need to know, no one real, not cared, but you were not that interested in Revelation until last March, right? COVID came around, you're like reading Revelation, you're like, what's the dragon? Like, is this the, and you're, it's a need to grow or need to know basis. All my friends text me about Revelation. You got a good sermon series on Revelation? I'm like, what? So anyway, it's a need to grow or need to know basis. Or for some of you, you maybe heard sermons or verses about fear and faith and anxiety, but then once COVID came around, it was a need to grow or need to know basis. Uh, for me, right after I uh, got saved, I'd spent a lot of time with a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, didn't, I, I mean, I, had, I knew what the Trinity was in some sense, but I didn't really need to study it or know until he started asking me questions. I needed to know and need to grow basis. That's how you and I as believers in Christ grow in our faith. And then he says that you abstain from sexual immorality. Let me finish uh, verses four to six. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgresses and wrongs his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. So this idea of following God's design in all areas, he is specifically pointing to the idea of sexual immorality. And he says, God is an avenger, uh, which means he brings punishment or payment when it is due. And he says, hey, we've already told you, we've already warned you. No matter, well, 90% of you, when you go on a flight, you go through the terminal, you get your stuff, maybe you got kids, it's mayhem, it's crazy. And you'll finally get in through, you click your ticket, you get in the plane, you sit down, and then what happens? The part that you forget every single time, the flight attendant stands up. Man, I have headphones on at this time. I'm done. Hope's like, babe, you should listen. Like, I'm like, no. They, they got the video. And what's the flight attendant doing? They are trying to tell us what happens if that sucker goes down. And guess what? I'll be honest. I really don't care. If it goes down... I mean, this thing putting over my head, that's not going to save me. Like, I, I mean, if it goes down, I will probably get on the chair and start preaching. I don't know. I, I'm really not that concerned. But poor flight attendant, they sit there and they go through the motions and they're doing the video. And, you know, and I'll look at it like this, you know, if she sees, make eye contact. But the flight attendant is truly, truly trying to get everyone out alive if it goes bad. Or what they, they're giving a game plan. Hey, if it goes south, this is what we are to do. Young pastors, and I'm a young pastor, but younger ones that I'll talk to, I'll say, hey, preaching is kind of like being a flight attendant. You're yelling, you're trying to get everyone's attention to care and how to get out alive, and not that many people really care. you got to try to persuade or pursue, hey, God is an avenger, and we need to live a holy life, that we need to live set apart for God, that we would seek to be sanctified. And it is truly, truly anti climactic for you to say, all right, God, I want a specific plan for my life. Would you tell me exactly what to do? Give me a detailed plan. And he looks at you and he says, pursue me with all you got. And you're like, but where do I go? No, 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 no. Pursue me with everything you have. But who am I supposed to marry? No, no, no. I said, run after me with all you have. 
Well, I want to know, hey, no, no, no. When, and, and when it says sexual immorality, really truly means pornea, which is all of God's design for sex, or we get the word from pornography. He says, hey, if you want to know, I want you to stop this first and pursue me. God, I want to know what my next step is. And he'll say, I want you to start doing this and stop doing this and pursue me. We will come to God or come to church for a new revelation. I want something new. I feel like new stuff is cooler. I feel like it just sounds good. It looks, I want something. I want to sit in a Bible teacher and I'm like, wow, where did that come from? Right? It just is like you've never thought of it that way. You've never seen it that way. And the Bible often just says, I'm going to tell you what you already know. I'm just going to remind you. Paul, or Peter said in 1 Peter, I stir you up by way of reminder. Some of you would feel like that's what church is for you. You come in week after week, month after month, and you're like, I have heard the same sermon 50 times. They just come at it from a different angle. It's a different guy, different jokes, different application, but it's the same stuff. Like, follow God. I got it. Right? He is reminding them more than instructing them because <clears throat> you and I would need reminded when we're not applying what is being said. God will just do that. He'll just keep bringing stuff back up. When we're asking for something new, we're asking for the next step, he'll bring up the same thing. And I believe God, when he's teaching us something, it's always gonna be the same thing until I take that step. All right, God, I got it. I'll do it. All right, God, I, I've heard you, Lord, loud and clear. I, I've heard you, would you help me? And just as a complete, complete and total rabbit trail, what I would like to do is give you all of the God wills in the Bible. There are five of them. And the first one, <clears throat> if you'd pull it up for me, that God's will, or what is God's will, is that it says, who desires or wills or wishes, in First Peter, all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. If you are sitting here today and you've never accepted Christ and you are asking, I wonder what God has for me, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. He wants you to put your faith and trust in Christ. You're asking for him to reveal things or show the next step. And God is saying, hey, whoa, 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 take, take the first step. Take the first step. Number two, uh, the one that we've been talking about, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And like I said, very, very anticlimactic. Right, if I had the option, if I had the option, I remember uh, when I was trying to figure out what God would want me to do, how many of you, you would go like this, dear Lord, please be in this. And I'm like, like a lame man legs walks, hangs you, Proverbs 20. And, I, and it didn't make any sense to me in my life. And I'm like, that's not specific enough, God. And he would say that you would be sanctified, that you would be more and more dedicated to me. And then the third one is later on in Thessalonians, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Happy Thanksgiving. You're like, be thankful? Okay, I can do that. God, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Okay, now what? And the reason I think it's so simple and they're always reminders is because God, God often is saying, hey, I want you to do these things, do these things well, and you'll find where you want, where I want you to be. And the, the, thir the fourth one, as Ephesians 5, understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Man, could we talk about that? You're like, come on, man, it's Valentine's Day. Why? The Super Bowl was last week. Why do we got to talk about drunk with wine? 
He's saying because when you're drunk with wine, you can't be filled with God's spirit and submitting to him and discerning where he's guiding us. This is God's will. And the last one is 1 Peter 4, 6, 4, 19. It says, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to the faithful creator while doing good. And if you get our emails here, I can't help but think about the pastors in India right now that we've been praying for as a church who are suffering and who are going through true true suffering, that they are entrusting their lives and their souls to God. And so why, does, why, do, why do all of these matter? Why do all five of these truly matter for you? If you are seeking to hear from God, you feel like he's been silent. If you're seeking to find out what God has for you and you feel like he's been silent, we would say this, know the word of God, seek the will of God, and he will give you direction. Know the word of God, seek the will of God. I'm gonna seek to do these five things and he will show you the next step. That I always, always would ask, please, please give me the next 10 year plan. I wanna know my on-ramps, I wanna know the off-ramps, I wanna know who I'm supposed to talk to, I wanna know what opportunities I'm supposed to say yes to. And God typically, at least with me, he'd give me just one more step, one more step, one more step. God's game plan for you is reminders more than new instructions. And number three, verses seven, uh, to eight, seven to eight, it's from God and personal. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So sometimes when you are saying something, you have to clarify and say, this is what I'm not saying. You have to say, hey, this is what I want you to do, but this is what I don't want you to do. He's saying, I'm not, or you are not, called for impurity, but in holiness. And it says in Ephesians 1 that in him, he chose us as the church uh, before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless, that we would be different. That not that we are perfect, but that in Christ, we pursue to be different. And tell me what is more different, what is more different than abstaining from sexual immorality. I mean, just stand out like a sore thumb in the culture. If you wanna say, hey, I believe marriage is done this way, I believe it's one man, one woman, one lifetime, you're, I mean, you're standing, you're a light in a dark place. I mean, if you would say, no, I believe this is the way that God has designed it, that alone is being holy. And he says, therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God. And I love how it says he gives the Holy Spirit to you. God has never asked you to do something and not given you the ability to see it through. He's never asked you to abstain from sexual immorality and not given you the opportunity to do it. He's never asked you to live a life of obedience and holiness without him saying, hey, I'm gonna give you all the tools you need. I'm gonna give the Holy Spirit to you. I'm gonna give the Bible to you. I'm gonna give the people of God to you to help you, help you as you take one step forward, what? Two steps back, one step to the side, one step over here, and one step forward. He's going to give you all that you need, and it is personal. Typically, when it comes to holiness and obedience, a lot of us like to point at the culture. We like to point at someone else to help raise the standard on their regards, but God will sometimes bring it right back to you, that the Bible would be a mirror and not a magnifying glass, that it would read my life and it is from God, is it not? Sometimes when you're having conversations with someone and maybe you get stumped 
and they'll say, well, what's right for you is what? Right for you. And what's right for me is right for me. You're like, dang it, now what? You know? You're like, now what do I say? Uh, or you'll say, hey, about the Bible or about Jesus or this works. And my response typically or sometimes is, well, what if what's right for you isn't right for God? That there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. What if, what if, shouldn't we ask God what is right and not ask ourselves what's right? Shouldn't we check in with him and think, is this way right with God? And Paul says, hey, everything I'm telling you, it's from God and it's personal. It is from God and it is personal. And the call to holiness or the call to be different is on us and not the culture. I feel as if, one, I mean, if I'm in here once a month or twice a month, I feel like at least every quarter I'm bringing this back up. That often it is easier for us to look at um, people who are not Christians and ask them to meet Christian standards. That we would just hope and pray that they would hopefully be godly, that they would make it easier for us. And here's what we forget so often. In, in Christian history and church history, every single time, every single time, if we had the time, I could show you that when pressure was brought on the church, when standards were brought on the word of God and the church, it would explode like fire, literally just explode. And so for us, as we go through a season of unknowns and everyone's wondering, can you go to church again? Can you read your Bible? Are they taking this? Are they doing this? That, does, that shouldn't bother us in any way. It should make us say, God, would you use me in this time? Would you help me to be different? And would people not, oh my, would they not know my political stance and not know that I know Christ? Would they not know who, you know, what I'm for? Would they see signs in my yard? Would they not know? Would they know that, hey, at least we know he or she follows Christ? Would my standard not be on the culture, but would it be on me? That holiness and honor is on my life. For me, in the, in the darker, for some of you, you, when you look at the culture, the darker you feel like it gets, the harder it gets, the brighter it should be to shine. Just easier. You ain't even got to be that wild. You ain't got to be running around preaching. Honestly, you just pray. You just have a decent standard and you will stick out. And that's what Paul, I believe, is saying. He's encouraging them. And then lastly, uh, number four, <clears throat> that is keeping someone else in mind. God's game plan is keeping someone else in mind. He says this, now concerning, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. I find that strange. I want to ask Paul, then why'd you say it? Right? And someone like, hey, I want to let you know, I want to correct you on this area, but I really don't need to because you're just killing it. And I'm like, then why'd you tell us? Like, just, we, we know, we're good, we're solid, right? He said, brotherly love, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. So in Galatians 6, it talks about how we are to love those who are in the household of faith. He looks at this church and he's like, hey, I don't even need to remind you guys. I don't even need to tell you. You guys love people really well. You sacrifice well. You are giving. You're not trying to serve. You're serving other people. He said, you're doing so good at this. But then he says this in verse 11. He says, and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands. Uh-oh, he's coming at the work ethic. 
as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Paul is teaching them that easy, easily as Christians, we get in what we call the holy huddle. We just get real godly. We get around the circles. We all know the verses, the lingo, sanctification, whatever that word is. We all know those things. We really like these things. It makes us feel really good. It's easier to walk with God. And he says, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. But you should aspire to live quietly as someone who's a little bit, just a tad bit of an extrovert. Why is that, why is that funny? I don't like, I, I wish it was like an aspire to go bold for Christ. He says, no, live, live quietly. That sometimes you should probably shut your mouth. You should probably listen more than you talk. It says in Proverbs 25, 17, that let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest they turn on you and hate you. In the words of my father, fish stinks after three days. Don't spend three days in someone's house, right? There's a, there's a balance to this. He's saying, live quietly, that hopefully people don't think of us or you as like, man, they never shut up. They're just always yelling at me about Christian stuff. I don't even care. Always yelling at me about politics. I don't even care what they believe. Why are they trying to make, right? Hopefully that's not the case. And he says, mind your own affairs or business. Just mind your own business. Quit hunting. Quit trying to tackle people down and making sure they're believing this way or doing this. He says, mind your own affairs. Work with your hands. And he brings it right at the work ethic. It says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10 that whoever is not willing to work should what? Not eat. That we should be a people who have a good work ethic. That truly, and even Proverbs would talk a ton about this, laziness serves as a bad testimony. It makes other people look at Christians and they're like, man, how, how do they even do that? Why are they so lazy? Why are they always just talking? They're running their mouth. They don't even work that hard. He's always talking. He's never working so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. And I'm actually going to have Adam, would you come help me up, help, help me real quick? Um, as he's coming up, I want to read, you guys stay right where you're at. <clears throat> Some of you are getting nervous, which is kind of fun to see, you're like, what, what are we doing? Um, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, and he's going to jump in the cage, and I'm going to read this. I'll give you the sign Adam went to send it and then went to not. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, just listen, don't get too distracted here. He, Paul says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And yeah, Adam, send, send it, dog. We'll just, it's like this. of you know what I said. I actually told you the gospel. It was so distracting. First off, it's loud. Thank you, Adam. You're good, man. Give it up for Adam McCloskey. He's a beast of a drummer. Um, that when you and I are not loving, that is what it looks like. We're a noisy gong. You're trying to communicate the gospel you're trying to communicate, I, I literally was like, I said this, Jesus died on the cross, he rose again from the dead, and you should put your faith in Christ to go to heaven. 
and everyone's just blah, 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 blah. That's literally what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. If we have not love, we're a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Literally have nothing to offer. The message you and I seek to share without love is effortless, is effortless because you can't even hear it. Just so distract. I can't even hear what you're saying because you're not loving. And I believe Paul is teaching this principle. The people of God and the people God is for should be my concern, both and equally. That the people of God, the people in the church should be my concern and the people God is for. And I need to ask, God, are there areas in my life when I, where, where I'm not loving those you are for? Is there areas in my life when I'm not living quietly probably as much as I should? I know for me the answer is absolutely. I'm probably talking more than I should. I'm probably not listening as much as I should. God, the people you are for. Man, don't, don't you just love it when there's non-Christians around a little bit more? If you're not a Christian, you're here. Like, we, we need, you are lifeblood. Like, literally, when you're not around, we get comfy. We get a little jaded. We get a little bitter. And the more we're able to talk to people who are non-Christians, it's like, hey, this is why we're here. This is why we exist. This is what we're trying to accomplish. The people God is for. And would my life and your life not be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal where no one can really hear my message? Lastly, this quote from Andy Stanley has truly, truly helped me this past week. When my life is just a story, what story do I want to be told? When my life is just a story, when people will say things about me or what they will say at my funeral, what do I want them to say? What would I hope for them to say? What would I think, man, I hope, I hope they are able to say, he lived quietly sometimes. <laughs> he, mind, he was minding his own affairs. He lived peaceably with all he sought to. And he didn't put any obstacles in the way of people who didn't know Christ. That there was nothing in his life, hopefully, where they said, Man, I would like to be a Christian, but man, he just, I can't because of him. As one girl told me, Mike, I would like, I would like to put my faith in Christ. I can see the cross. I can see it. I, I know what Jesus did. I can see it clear as day, but I cannot unsee all the Christians around me. And I had to, in those moments, just point to that when you face God, you're not answering for other people. You're not answering for the things they've said to you or things they've done to you. But we are truly looking at Christ, at Christ. And I think the more that you and I seek to submit and honor and obey the will of God, our sanctification, the more we are like Christ, we will live quietly mind our own affairs, live peaceably with all men. Let me pray for you. <clears throat> God, we are thankful for 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And God, how it encourages them. He, he's truly saying, man, you guys are doing so, so well. You guys are loving. You are gracious. You are doing so good when it comes to the church. But there's some areas that could be tweaked when it comes to those who don't know Christ. 
would you help us to be a people who examine well, who think well about maybe our relationships or things we are for or things we are promoting? Would we be people who are hard workers, that you would help us to have a strong work ethic? God, that we would seek to honor you in whatever you've called us to do. Would you help us in areas where we are not living quietly, we're not minding our own affairs? Would you, Holy Spirit, we ask for you to just correct us a little bit. And God, I do want to pray for those who would say, man, I want to follow God's will. I want to honor his will. I want to submit to his will. But abstaining from sexual immorality is really, I haven't even come close. Holy Spirit, as, as it says that he is with you, I pray that you would, you would convict in a way that is from you. Would you encourage where it is needed? And God, would you help us to follow your will and your plan for our life? Would you help us to know your word and exactly where you want us to be? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.